Blog Talk Radio. Martin himself. And so we've been on the show before. 
Uh, if you go back a couple of years, I talk, I had her come on the show because I met her at Awesome Con a couple of years back. And that'll be around 930. And then I'm hoping one more person comes in. Uh, his name is Michael Darwin. Uh, he is actually the host, one of the hosts of Dark Discussions podcast, but he also does uh, You Know Nothing Jon Snow, which is a weekly Game of Thrones recap podcast. And you can listen to his, they have their preview show up. I do not know if they have the episode one up yet. Um, they will really soon. They also do uh, American Gods uh, a show as well, which I am Ooh. listening to very frustratingly. Because <laughs> 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 that's for another episode. But first, let me introduce my sexy witches. And, you know, believe me, I've got some music for this. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Angeles, I've got two hosts, one that's been with me for the whole run and one that just joined us. So I'm going to introduce them together. Uh, first of all, my newest sexy witch is now in Los Angeles and is doing her thing. She's a theater geek, film geek, horror geek extraordinaire. Please welcome the Enchantress herself, Raven Jasper Hawk. Welcome, Enchantress of Nevermore, again to the Sexy Witches. And good not evening. too far from her, Happy anniversary. good evening. Thank you. And not too far from her in Buena Park, California, so spitting distance practically, at least um, <laughs> Los Angeles. <Ew>. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, well, he's been my LA correspondent from the get- beginning. He's been my cousin. He is um, our warlock of Orange County and my partner in crime at San Diego Comic Con and will be again this year. Please welcome back to the show. He was on, I think, episode two. Aaron Kogan, how you doing? Welcome to the Sexy Witches. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you. We've been doing this for five years now. Crazy. I know, very crazy. I can't believe I actually had uh, had the stamina to and the discipline to do it. Because <laughs> honestly, I'm lazy, so <laughs> that's why I don't edit. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold those thoughts for a minute. I got one more important sexy witch to introduce. Matter of fact, so important because she was my second co-host in episode six, who took over the spot. I needed, I had suddenly lost my current co-host. She quit all of a sudden, and I had to find someone, and it only took me an hour. And my girl and I have been working together ever since. Please welcome to the show from Clifton Forge, Virginia, the sexy porn witch, Erin Marie. Hello. I am super excited for this episode. I have been living and breathing Game of Thrones for Oh, well, be careful. Your phone's coming in a little bit crazy, uh, so be very careful there, okay? Hmm. But other Absolutely. than that, I am so happy that you're here. I mean, you <laughs> came on. It was almost an emergency when, when I lost my first one of my first co-hosts, and, uh, and you came on. I asked you, and you didn't even really hesitate. You're like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it, and I was really excited, and we've been 
what, doing this now for five years as well. We've attended uh, horror conventions together, paneled together. We've done a lot of things together. We have definitely my partner in crime on the East Coast. And you're going to come out here in a week and go do Awesome Con with me for a day. Oh, yes, yay. I am. I, I'm really excited about that. Um, not only that, but I I uh, I came on as a guest host in episode three. That's right. In that first five episodes. That's right. We did our so first I- sexy witch round robin. Or no, it was our second. No, that was not our sexy witch round robin episode. That was our uh, Avengers episode that I had you come on. Yep, it was the Marvel episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't know shit about Marvel. Well, I know a lot more about sure. Marvel now than I did five years ago. But I knew nothing about Marvel, really, except for a few things like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and Spider-Man and X-Men. I mean, I knew basics, but I didn't really deep dive the Marvel Universe. So I, she came on, a couple of my comic book geek friends came on and did the show. You know, that was – but then, like, now she's permanent – we talk about Marvel. I've seen Marvel movies. I understand most of it. I even read the comic books sometimes. But, you know, five years. Podcasting for five years. It's a long time. A lot of my colleagues started about five years ago. And it's kind of interesting how many have have not survived. But there's also a key few that have. And I think what's happening is that it's the, the podcasts are sifting. And then, like, eventually a uh, few will, will end up being always there, like the projection moves and stuff. Ah, I have one of our first guests, and he's going to come on and right in time for our pop culture talk, and he's really good at these kind of things. So please welcome to the show, Dark Discussion Podcast extraordinaire, Michael Darwin. Welcome. You're on with the Sexy Witches, sir. Hello, ladies. How are we doing? Doing good. I mean, like, I'm wearing. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. Can you speak up just a teeny bit, sir? I'm trying. I couldn't get Skype to work, so I'm kind of using my phone. That's Um, okay. Jenny sounds fine. We just need to hear you. That's all. So, (laughs) this is blog talk. We get what we get. But I can hear you pretty well. So, welcome to the show. And quickly, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself, first of all, to Raven, because she's my newest host. And also, Hello, we're going to talk about Dark Discussions, podcast, and uh, just briefly about You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. So, Dark Discussions is uh, a, a podcast that airs weekly and has been doing so since 2011, about the same time Game of Thrones started. Uh, usually, we would talk about relatively recent film releases, both theatrical and independent streaming releases. Um, sometimes we talk about older films. We're actually going to be discussing No Country for Old Men on Thursday, uh, which means that will probably be out early next week. Uh, but we also have sister spinoff podcasts based on some cable TV shows, uh, including uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Box about Westworld, uh, Searching for American Gods about the Stars TV series American Gods, and our first spinoff podcast, which is You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, which is the Game of Thrones podcast. We've uh, done a like a lead-in episode a couple of weeks ago for season eight that recapped season seven and you know what we were expecting to see for season eight. And we've of course recorded our first episode last night on season eight, episode one, Winterfell. And that, if it's not available now, will probably be available uh, in another day or two. Wherever Excellent. podcasts are sold. 
<laughs> Great. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the, you know, nothing. Jon Snow is probably my favorite podcast on Game of Thrones. It really is. And I'm not just saying that because I know you personally. I really listen to others. And there's one or two out there that you listen to also that are really, really good. But when it comes to the overall discussion, you're my favorite. So I'm excited yeah, I don't for being on the show. You're welcome. But none of us are experts on the show. So we're really just fans of the show. Uh, Erica is the only one who's read all the books. But since the last book came out seven years ago, eight years ago, uh, I don't think anyone's reread the books. So, you know, nobody's like a, an, an uber diehard fan that knows all the ins and outs of uh, the Song of Ice and Fire. You know, so we're just kind of watching the show as most people are. We do our very best to avoid spoilers. Um, so we're just kind of dissecting it as, as fans. And we all have our different points of view. Uh, particularly Phil has his own unique points of view about the show. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> we won't go into Phil. <laughs> yeah. And well, no, Love you, that's, my dear. We, you know, yeah, but we don't, we don't want everybody having the same opinion anyway. No, you right? don't. So, you know, that he's got a weird thing for Sansa, you know, when, when Look, the rest uh, of us we'll... don't, and he doesn't, and doesn't like Arya when everybody else does, just gives us Ooh. a different perspective. I, I actually agree with him that I think Cersei should take it all. But let's not talk about Game of Thrones right now because we got a few minutes before my other guests come on mic. But you're more than welcome okay. to join us in this conversation because I know you know, know how to do this. We're going to do a quick pop culture news. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I've been keep, I'm having a family like interruptions, so you'll have to excuse me while I draw it out. But we're going to start. All right, let's start something with I know we've all seen, and I'm going to have Aaron, Aaron Kogan, my my cousin. I'm going to have you talk about this lead off. Um, first of all, do you have any news from Star Wars Celebration that you want to share? And, of course, talk about your feelings on the trailer, and then anybody else in this, this panel can follow up with whatever you want to say about it. Oh, my God. So much news out of Celebration Chicago. Um I, I hardly even know where to start. I guess we should start with the fact that the trailer, the first teaser trailer dropped, and it was fucking amazing. And uh, for the first time ever at a Star Wars celebration, we got a title reveal. Um, so that, that's, that's got to be the biggest news, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, we, we could do an entire show on the trailer. Honestly, I'm not joking. There was so Last much there that, But let's push through um, God uh, We got tons of news uh, About what's coming To Disney Plus Including uh, the live action uh, Mandalorian Series uh, We got Which updates. Is, Oh is that That starting to tempt me uh, You know how, how I, I said I wasn't going to buy it But every Everything in Mandalorian looks so good. Oh, my God. Anyway, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, well, we've got uh, Dave Filioni's uh, uh, Clone Wars uh, being concluded. Um, uh, as you remember, we were there for the emotional reveal of Clone Wars Saved at the last San Diego Con, Con uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago gave us a lot more uh, about what we're going to see, including uh, what was proposed before Disney bought 
Star Wars from George Lucas. Um, the, uh, the the tie-up with Ahsoka Tana's character. So uh, that's going to be pretty fucking awesome, I think. Uh, we got a lot of video game news. Uh, we're going to be getting some Knights of the uh, Old Republic, which, God, Star Wars fans have been rabid about for years. There, uh, there are many, many fans who will tell you Knights of the Old Republic is the best Star Wars game that's ever been. Uh, we also got a word about Vader Immortal, which is going to be a pre-New Hope Darth Vader virtual reality experience in which you are a force-sensitive smuggler uh, who's commanded by Vader to seek an object, but are you worthy of Vader? Uh, We got news of another video game. Uh, This one, a young Padawan is the central character who survives uh, Order 66. And that looks pretty fucking good, too. God, I feel Um, like I'm forgetting so much because there was so much. That's good enough for now because we have to blow through some news here. But um, (laughs) real quick, open it up to the panel. I know all of us have seen the trailer at this point. So what's the feeling? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I will honestly say I'm, the trailer was good. I find the rise of Skywalker mid, middling mixed feelings about the title. Yeah, the title didn't give me goosebumps. But Emperor Palpatine's lafted. <laughs> Come on. I do like her. Go ahead, Go ahead Aaron Murray. I don't think that Luke is the Skywalker that's alluded to. Uh, well, I don't yeah, we are. Kylo, Kylo Ren is a Skywalker, so you got to remember that. Yeah. Right. He's a soul. Are we, are, we, yep. are we allowed to give speculative spoilers? Uh, yeah, we can do that. We're going to okay. do that for Game so, of Thrones, too, so for sure. Well, just because I don't – because I want to make sure nobody knows uh, thinks that I know this for sure. This is my speculation – um, it was one of my, my first thought was, oh God, when I heard the title and I thought about it and I put it in context with, uh, Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi. And I thought, well, maybe because we saw the last of the Jedi die, right. And Luke was the last Jedi. They told us that. And we saw the Sith die with, um, with the Emperor and Vader that what if the term Skywalker isn't being used as a surname, but as a title. Um, well, so yeah. that the Jedi Order would be replaced by the Skywalkers, right? That, that would be the new title for Force users. Um, I... And I've seen other people speculate that as well. The fact that they use a purple title, which of course is made from red and blue, and they've used blue for the Jedi and red for the Sith in the past. You know, the idea that the, that Skywalkers uh-huh. were supposed to have brought the balance to the Force, both you know, depending on how you interpret the prophecy, both Luke and 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 uh, Anakin. Yeah. Um, the only problem is that grammatically, then it should be the you know rise of the Skywalker or the Skywalkers. You know, rise of Skywalker sounds a little weird. Yeah. Um, if that's referring to a title, so that was a thought I had, and I quickly saw other others online quickly uh, come to the same idea. So it's not there. There'd be some I'm validity not, to that 
because they are saying that even though some people are still thinking that Kylo Ren and Rey are related, there's a bunch of people that are pretty sure, including Adam Driver, has confirmed no, he's actually in love with her. So there could be a lot of things going on that J.J. Abrams will completely miss opportunities on. But hopefully they will, he will figure out how awesome some of this stuff is and, and it'll be great. So uh, I actually think that's not the most unheard of. I, I actually think there's a lot of validity to that, Mike. Um, I, I'm actually curious now that, that I didn't even think about it until you said it. And it makes total sense. Yeah, what well, am I concerned was? The... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, okay. this yeah. so, uh, I believe Luke Skywalker's last line was, uh, and, and uh, I'm not the last Jedi. I think that was mm-hmm. that was his last line in the film. So well, I, I tend to think the Jedi are going on. The sacred texts are on board the Falcon. Oh, so. the sacred right. texts survived. We all know yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. I'm I'm not as excited for for this movie as as some of the others, but I'm <laughs> of course going to be there, and I know that Aaron Marie's going to be there, and my evil genius is going to be there. We're all going to be there. <laughs> We're all going to see how this plays out. Uh, and I'm really, really excited that Kathleen Star Wars Kennedy. Celebration yeah. 2020 is in Anaheim. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, nice. Yes, it is. We oh. don't have an exact date, but we're thinking April again. Okay, well, I might. That's what I'm doing in April next year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious about that. I want to go to the Star Wars Celebration. So we're going to have to oh, talk about that off there. Uh, let's let's move on because we all could talk about Star Wars and that could be a, its own episode. Uh, I just wanted to say that I saw a bunch of stuff and I know some of you have and some of you haven't. Uh, I saw the man who killed Don Quixote in the theaters, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Terry Gilliam's newest film, and it's actually pretty good. It's somewhere in between, I would say, Baron Munkhausen and Fisher King. Not twi- King, not quite as verisimilitude as Fisher King, but definitely, but right in the middle pushing towards Baron Munchausen in style. Uh, it's beautiful, well shot, and they just announced today that they are going to get a theatrical release for it. So everyone is oh, going to see it. Um, so I saw it at the Fathom event. So did Steve Wandling, my co-host Repo Nerds. I was kind of hoping he'd call in uh, and we could talk about it for a minute. But um, I do recommend it. It's not my favorite Terry Gilliam. It's not even his best film, but it definitely will fit on the shelf right next to him. And um, I, it's completely different from Zero Theorem, which was his last film, which is abs- with Christoph Waltz, which is absolutely crazy movie. Uh, hmm. So, um, so I'm pretty happy. I'm pleased. And after 26 years of waiting for this film, just to see it is a triumph. I'm assuming I'm the only one in this group that's seen it. Yeah, I didn't have the opportunity, yeah. but I nope. oh that's man, I was there with you in spirit. Oh, so I didn't get to see Shazam, so <laughs> there's oh, that. Oh yeah, how is how is Shazam? By the way, I still haven't seen it. I was so fucking pleased with it. It was funny. It was great. It was entertaining. Everybody did such a good job, and I was happy to have an independent. I mean, they made lots of references to the current DC universe. But overall, I think it is just so much better than what they've turned out recently. I I, I had every faith that that movie was going to be good, and I'm still just going to have the time to go see it. And I'm so glad it's getting good reviews. Anybody else? Yeah, it, I heard somebody. Else. It, it, it was solid. It wasn't uh, you know blow you away awesome, 
but it was solidly entertaining. I liked it a lot. There were moments that I was surprised that they did for a what is clearly aimed at a family-friendly film, um, where there were moments with the villain that get a little dark, and there's even a uh, kind of a very adult theme that deals with Billy Batson uh, being abandoned as a child that gets a little heavy that small children may have trouble understanding. Um, I like the fact that they did uh, a a cast that they did, you know, representation of the, of diversity without, like, beating you over the head with it. You know, they were up and standing up and saying, hey, look, we're woke. You know, they just had the characters there and, and went in a way that was felt natural and does tie into the history of the character. Um, so I liked the way they did that. Um, I thought Mark Strong was solid as the villain. I thought most of the humor worked. The only thing that really irked me was the fact that they can't use the name Captain Marvel because that's sort of a running joke throughout the film is that he doesn't have a name. Do you concur, Aaron? Uh, I actually I do. haven't had a chance oh. to see it yet. Oh, sorry, Roman. Uh-huh. Uh, other Aaron, but yes, I should say Aaron Murray. So. But, um, and to back up, you guys, um, also I saw, um, I did see Captain Marvel over the last weekend with a double feature of Dumbo at the drive-in. I'm not going to get into it, but Dumbo was weird. Just weird. Not bad, but weird. I, I, I'm very weirded out by that movie. And then Captain Marvel I found to be a total snooze. I know that is not the popular opinion, no. but I was bored fucking tears to it. I, I really tried to pay attention. I didn't think anybody was bad in the performances. I thought it was okay. I just thought it brought nothing new to the table. I felt the same way watching uh, Civil Wars a couple of years back, Um, except for the Ant-Man sequence where he turns into the big dude and Spider-Man's in it. I was completely bored with that movie too. Uh, So it might be just my aversion to Marvel films. And I still have that slight aversion to them. I, 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 that being said, I rewatched infinity wars and I'm actually excited for Endgame. I want to see what happens. So I will go. So you guys are converting me, but I like the Avenger movies though. But, um, (laughs) Uh, so Dumbo's just weird. I mean, seriously, they're actually a grown woman flying on a baby elephant in the movie. It, it is just weird movie. Has anybody else seen the Dumbo movie? I need to know. No, I like the catch it. I've got the uh, uh, the AMC theater A list pass, which means I can see three movies a week for for free, quote unquote, for twenty dollars a month. Um, and I'm way behind on uh, my viewings for the last couple of months, so I need to get hmm. my money back. Um, so I may catch that because I'm on spring break right now. Um, so I have, you know, a few movies I can go catch over the next few days. Um, I just came back from seeing Hotel Mumbai, which is not a geek film, but a really good film about the uh, the attack on the Taj Hotel in 2008. Right. Uh, that I thought was really, really effective and powerful, and I highly recommend it. Uh, was it Fareed Sakakara? Is that his name on CNN? Did this special on that movie, and it looked fantastic. So uh, you know, it was a Sunday. I, so I, I'm so glad to hear good news that uh, Hotel Mumbai is is good movie. Uh, now something on a completely different vein, and I know I binged it, and I'm pretty sure I'm refinished it. I did finish Chilling Adventures of Sabrina uh, over the weekend. So anybody else seen it? No, I actually, I have not started it yet. 
Oh my God! I am the only one to see this this show. I'm actually the only one. You so are. I've been in full Game of Thrones madness. I've been watching nothing. I haven't watched the new episode of Orville. I haven't watched anything but Game of Thrones. Oh, I'm caught up with Orville. Actually, I like last week's episode. Uh, I'm caught up with <laughs> Orville. Saw all Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and actually, I like it. It's it there's it there's. I'm not so sure I like her as a character though. I think Sabrina's kind of bratty. And annoying. Um, but once again, you know, it's guys that produce Riverdale. It's got cool ass design, and you know, there's a subversive plot and murder and angels and demons and everything I like. So you know, I, I would totally watch a third season. So and this group of sexy witches, and I uh, I know that Mike Phil would love that show. Phil would be freaking out. He should be watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It is right up his alley. And, and all yeah, those because diversity. it's an unhealthy attraction to young teenage girls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's but these girls will kill you, so be careful. So, but anyway, uh, but the, the costuming and the design in particular is just so spectacular. I really, really like their Christmas special. If you want to see some awesome goth necro feasty uh, Christmas decorations, I just, you don't even have to watch the plot. Just watch. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and mute it and watch the design. It is so cool. So, um, and another thing I watched, which was a binge, but it was like short webisodes on Shutter. It was called Critters of the the New Batch. You know, mm. the Critters yeah. from the eighties. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it, it it feels like it could have been a, a an hour and a half film, and it's actually broken up into like eight, ten minute segments and, and uh Gilbert Groffrey's in it for a hot second and that's pretty funny. Uh you know, uh but But doesn't it, okay kind of describe the, the Critters franchise in the first place? I really like the first Critters movie. I think it's fun. I think it's actually kind of violent and cute, and I I, I love that kind of stuff. So I have no issues with the Critter movies. And in the end, I don't even have trouble with this. I just think that it was kind of sillier even than those movies. I mean, at least those movies knew, because they're horror comedies, when to turn off the comedy and become horror. That's what makes a great horror comedy. It knows when the horror needs to step up. And in the the new one, in the in the Critters new batch, it's it's all done for comedy. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's done for comedy. Uh, so you know, you don't get any moments of of true scariness or gore. You're just kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was cute, and it's an easy binge. So if you have Shudder, just burn through them. Watch them all, and there'll probably be another season uh, of them. I'm actually almost certain there will be. So they kind of leave it open. Um, last but not least, the only thing I have left on my list. I have two things left on my list. One, r- reminder that the Rondo Hatton Awards is due on the 21st. They extended it a week. Uh, so if you know anything about the Rondo Hatton Awards, it's the best crowdsourced award ceremony for classic horror and genre, probably on the web. Everyone votes. Everyone loves it. And a bunch of people we know and love have been nominated this year. So go do your ballot vote. If you want to know details on who it exactly it is, go to the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness and go to the announcements page. You'll see Rondo, uh, Rondo Hatton uh, Awards uh, link there, and it'll tell you who I know is nominated and what they're what they've done including michelle and live scream we've had on the show a couple of times so go michelle she i mean the idea that like 
Oh, like, you know, I'm watching her like blossom into this like badass director <laughs> chick. She's so cool. So that's Rondo Hatton. And then last but not least, also on the Madness page, I am currently doing a poll for the Madness. Um, if for, if you want to vote for your favorite female master of horror, um, we are doing a quick poll. You'll see there's some grandfathered in names at the top, grandfather or grandmothered names in at the top. And um, you can add to the poll if you want, or you can vote on what's there. Right now, Catherine Bigelow is number one, and she's tied with the Soska sisters. So if you want to break that tie, go to the Madness page, and you'll see it pinned at the top. Go to, once again, it's all in my announcement page. So we're going to take a minute break. A real quick minute break, and then we're going to come back, bring on our other guests. Thank you, Sexy Witches and Mike and Aaron. Uh, that was a good quick roundup, but we got a, we got things to talk about, and I want to bring on my yeah. guests. So we're going to take a quick minute, one-minute break, and then we'll be right back. Person's on the line right now, calling from oh I believe Richmond, Virginia. Uh, she is one of the coolest, talented people I have been to meet at Awesome Con ever, uh, and I'm so glad to like be a fan of this woman and everything she does. She does a podcast called Your Brains on Facts podcast. She's local, you know, she travels the local area during burlesque shows, and she also was the producer of a touring company called Burlesque is Coming, which was the first um, endorsed uh, Gerard Martin Burlesque Touring Company, and she did that for a couple of years. So please, welcome to the show, because she's got a lot longer uh, list. I'll let her continue. Moxie LaVosh, welcome. You're on with the Sexy Witches. Thank you for calling. Thank you so much for having me and for that amazing bio. No, I think you covered all the points. Anything else would be gilding the lily. Oh, but um, what are you doing right now, if I may ask? Right now, I'm struggling to keep this this uh, gray cat from knocking the phone out of my hand as he desperately tries to get my love. <laughs> Aww. What's the cat's name? His name is Eli because he has kind of um, – I lived on a farm, so everybody found who found kittens brought them directly to me, whether I had room for them or not. And he had the second worst eye infection I ever had in a rescue kitten, and I was afraid he would be blind. So I named him Eli after the book of Eli. Sorry, guys. Spoiler alert. Ah, that's pretty cool, and it's very geeky as well. So, I mean, yeah. uh, so uh, 
first of all, welcome back to the Sexy Witches. Uh, we have a different lineup since the last time you left. We are on our fifth. This is our fifth anniversary. Uh, I've been doing this now for talk. five years. Thank you. Uh, on the line is one person you have met before, Erin Marie, my sexy porn witch. How you doing? Okay. She's Excellent. silent. Very happy to have her back. Oh, there she is. Excellent. I'm so glad you're there. Um, one of my, my newest sexy witch in Los Angeles, uh, this is uh, Raven Jasper Hark. She is the Enchantress of Nevermore. That's what she's called hey on this show. So welcome. It's a very good title. I, it changed me like I didn't even take it. No, I, I, I bestowed it, but it, it works so well. I just like, that is Raven. I was like knighted. So anyway. It was wonderful. And um, not too far from Raven in Anaheim, or Anna Slime, as I affectionately call it, um, is my cousin. And I mean my actual cousin. Uh, and this Gosh. is Aaron, Aaron Cogan. So he's <laughs> my L.A. correspondent and the warlock of Orange County. So this is the Sexy Witches panel. But last but not least, I have a guest on with you, Michael Darwin, who I can't wait you to meet because he has a Game of Thrones podcast called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. And, he, and so he's on the deep, when we are do our deep dive tonight, we've got some heavy muscle in here. So please welcome Mike and Moxie. Moxie, Mike, nice to meet y'all. Hi, Mike. Hello, Moxie. Nice to meet you, too. Good to meet you, too. And another cat person. I've got Dexter sitting next to me. <laughs> uh, I, Dexter and then... Eli, and then I have Ivar. So we're all geek properties. Nice. Now, which which one? I know that Raven knows who Ivar is, but do you guys know who, who Ivar is? He's currently I, a character on a TV uh, show. Ivar. Yeah, I'm assuming Ivar the Boneless, son of Ragnar Lothbrok. Yes, that's correct, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we've got lots of other geeky animals. I have a cat named Caboose uh, from Red vs. Blue. Uh, yeah, just don't even start <laughs> with that <laughs> list. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, we, yeah. I've only had. Go ahead. I was going to say, we have Aries, who was named after the character from the ZNS TV series because my wife thought he was hot. Um, he was. He was. He was. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, let's not talk about that. And then we have Lilith, the mother of monsters, and her <laughs> two kittens were Spike and Angel. Unfortunately, Angel has, has left us, but we still have Spike Aww. hanging around. Aww. Oh, Lilith is always a good name. I encourage. I love the name Lilith. My daughter's name Lillian. Um, I don't <laughs> usually use her name very much on the air, but um, all right. So my cat is Ivar. My dog is Sebastian. So uh, it almost works. Sebastian came with his name, and I like his name. So uh, Raven, do you have any geeky pets yet? I know you just move. You're moving all over LA, so probably not, right? I have a theater geek pet name actually because I'm a theater nerd. I got. My dog, I adopted him while I was doing an English panto of Cinderella, and I was playing Cinderella, and in this version, her best friend was a clown named Buttons, and I named my Aww. dog after Cinderella's best friend from a stage that's show. Aww, so, yeah, that's super nerdy. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because there's quite a few of us that have all done stagecraft at some point. Uh, Raven used to do yep. it now. Aaron was mm-hmm. the pirate frigging king in Pirates of Penzance okay. and a singing waiter. Oh, I love that. Musical oh. comedy. Yeah, we need to talk more about theater sometimes. 
Oh, yeah. we will. I, I used to do a lot of stage myself back in the day. I was in a few plays. I was one of my first plays was The Wiz of all things. <laughs> I was in that, and not, and not a not a junior Wiz Junior. I was actually in The right. Wiz. Okay, because there was something called Wiz Junior, and you know, yeah, definitely. Lion, they didn't start doing those until later, though. Lion the Junior King shows. Junior. Yeah. So, you know. Now, now, Moxie's job is to take these properties, and then she takes them, and she pushes them to levels that only the most genius people can come up with. And so, totally. Moxie, I'm going to bring you into this story. Tell me a bit about not just your Game of Thrones tour, but what you do as a burlesque dancer. Well, I am actually retiring, so I'm sorry. It immediately seemed less relevant than I was oh. a second ago. I'm getting well, out of burlesque not, because though. I've had you're some... You're a producer. You're still a producer, and you always have your hand in the pot, I think. Yeah, uh, no no pie hands anymore. Uh, I'm afraid Aww. all good things must come to an end. And what I have found is that for whatever reason, with burlesque shows, even if you do a completely different show based on the same theme – the returns diminish very quickly, and it's it's really hard to keep a theme going year over year, mm. even when it's a very popular property, because um, the year we spoke about the tour was the best year we had for it, and then the second year was half, you know, we sold like half as many tickets in the same number of cities, and then the following year it was like, wow, well, it's really nice of you five to come out. Um, here's the eight people in the cast. <laughs> Yeah, but there was a time where you were actually very, very popular, and and people still love the style of what what you do. You kind of was a almost, I would say, even a founding member of this whole style uh, of of burlesque on the East Coast, at least. I do I do know some similar shows in Seattle. I know that um, Crypticon has a group of girls that do burlesque dancing, and they dress up like Alien and Predator and, you know, and do nerdy things and geekery. But you you, you, you are a geek. It's not just that you're doing it. To, you, you, you know this stuff, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to be on the show, because, uh, you know, because uh, you, you, when we deep dive into Game of Thrones, you're going to know what you're talking about. And this is not just about you, but I wanted them to know why I brought you on and, and do talk about the tour a little bit and what kind of dances you did. Uh, mostly we flap around and take our clothes off. <laughs> not to put, <laughs> too, you, not to put too, too fine a point on them. Uh, there were acts that were glamorous and slow and emotionally moving. There were goofy things like my husband, Dante the Inferno, doing an act as Mr. Martin jumping up and down on a little trampoline. Uh, he actually did, that's the one he did in front of Mr. Martin and lived to tell the tale. Um, and just everything in between, we had gender bending stuff, you know, uh, girls dressed as guys and vice versa. Uh, an amazing host who did stand up as Varys and as Robert Baratheon. So a little, uh, we had some sideshow acts. Our our Tyrion did glass walking and a straight jacket escape. So a little something for everything. Fun for the whole family, 18 and up. One of my favorites was the Septa dance that you guys did. You know, oh, that's, that was cool. That's 100% Cherie Sweetbottom. Yeah, uh, oh, I is, know. She's still doing she, it. I saw pictures of yeah, her recently. Yes, she is. So, yeah, uh, I hope, but, I hope but she never co- stops. It's amazing. Yeah, the costume is my favorite. It's my. It's probably my favorite single burlesque costume I've ever seen. Is is her her septa, and that was yeah, that was 
the coolest. That was good. I mean, you look amazing as as Cersei in that current photo that you have up. And, uh, you know, but speaking of Cersei, I want her to win, by the way. But we'll get into oh, that in see, a minute. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I, have, I, have an, I have an opinion about that, a very specific opinion. In a weird way. I'm not saying she should win. It's complicated with Cersei for me. But anyway, Raven, I know that you really, like, we got to get you on this Game of Thrones wagon. So I'm going to let you free so you don't have to talk about Game of Thrones because we're about to deep dive into Game of Thrones and the recent It's really for your own good. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I can only sit here and look pretty. That doesn't help. I was thinking about Not ringing the, radio, the shame no. bell on you. Yeah. I don't think I'll right. ring the shame bell right now. I might save my shame bell. I have bell watched for one and a half seasons. That's better than nothing. That's not total <laughs> shame, right? No, that's, that's not a good total. Yeah, it's a good beginning. It's Whoa. not, you know, I, I shame bell myself, just so you know. You know, I like the okay. Twin Peaks thing. I should be a lot farther along than I am. It's taking me forever to get through Twin Peaks right now. Um, yeah. I'm too distracted by playoff hockey. Uh, so, no caps, by the way, Moxie. My team, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if she's in hockey. Moxie, are you in hockey? Because it's like we're in the Stanley Cup finals again. Or, or I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, I do love random explosions of violence, but no, I don't follow professional hockey. Oh, well, just to let you know, it's like amazing that we're back in the playoffs again. We might, we're, we might even defend, we might even defend our, our our cup, but I don't know. So anyway, it's a good time to be in DC in this area, even with all the chaos that our bosses throw around. But we won't talk about that because we're here to talk Game of Thrones. And so, how do we want to play this, Raven? Much love, and yeah. you might want to hang yourself up because I can't right now. Uh, and we will oh, see okay. you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> We're going to talk Thank about um, Crypticon Seattle, so there'll be a lot to talk about, and that you'll be. We'll talk about with you too. Perfect. Have fun, gang. Bye, Raven. That was the Enchantress of Nevermore, Raven Jasper Hawk, and uh, you can find her on Facebook and on Twitter, I believe. I actually don't know her Twitter hand off the top of my head, but either way, Raven is the Enchantress of Nevermore, and if you can't get a hold of her, get a hold of me, and I'll get a hold of her. So uh, we love her, and she'll be back on in two weeks on our regular scheduled episode. Okay, so it's still fifth our fifth anniversary, and we're and I run. It was kind of funny because I was like, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones episode one five years ago, and I ended up not talking about Game of Thrones. So I was like, okay, hmm. on the fifth anniversary, we are going to talk about Game of Thrones like I was going to on the first episode, and uh, really geek it up. Now I know that Aaron Marie has completely rewatched the show, and I believe Mike, you have as well. I have I've listened to your preview the show, show a couple of times. Yeah, uh, what was he? Eric Webster, your your uh, podcast darling uh, co-host. He actually watched it a couple of times with the commentary tracks on. Yes, like, um, I didn't do a complete rewatch this time because I did a complete rewatch before the last season, which I know it's been two years, but it doesn't. You know, at our age, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Um, but I've watched every season. Usually every episode, multiple times for the podcast. Plus, I'd watch it again when the the disc came out to watch some of the commentary tracks, and some of those have multiple commentary tracks. And then I've always done at least one season, and usually multiple seasons before the start of a season. Uh, and this year, I've just been really, really busy with 
work, so I wasn't able to do a complete rewatch, but I did of the whole thing, but I did do a rewatch of season seven uh, before this, and uh, for reasons, I also rewatched episode one right after watching uh, the first episode of this season uh, because there were there were connections I wanted to confirm I was remembering things correctly. Okay, and Erin Marie, where are you at? Um, I am actually at the end of season five. Um, uh, about a week ago, I watched season seven again with my sister because that's all she wanted to watch. So the only one I have not rewatched is six. But okay. I've watched each season at least three or four times. Excellent. And Moxie, how many? Uh, how familiar you are besides being able to write a show based on the property? Uh, how familiar are you with what's going on currently on Game of Thrones? Oh, I'm absolutely caught up. I was cramming uh, recap videos prior to the season premiere because we threw a great big viewing party with trivia and themed food. Um, I did Pigs in Blanket, but I did Cheddar Brats, and I cut the crescent rolls to look like a kraken, and the little little place tag I made for it said Theon's favorite toy. Oh, that's so cool. Aww. Oh, nice. oh I should have gone to your party. That sounds so much fun. Oh, no, oh, yeah, we, we whipped out the projector and everything. It was pretty good. I got to get a new projector. It's I love my old projector, but I really have to move on to a new one, and it's breaking my heart. Because as Erin Marie can test, it's a bitching little projector, but the bulb is more expensive than the projector, and it's starting to dim. <sighs> the sigh. But I do have a decent TV upstairs and I watched it in bed. So <laughs> I watched the current season. I didn't rewatch the season, but I did deep dive a bunch of blogs. I listened to Mike's show. Um, I uh, re recapped a bunch of stuff. I rewatched the new episode twice as well. Plus, I've been reading recaps from every major website that I know does decent recaps. So that's where I'm at. Oh, and I have read all the books. Just so, and I believe, Moxie, you've read the book too, right? No, I amazingly pulled off what I did as a show-only nerd. Wow, you are, uh, like I told you, you are one of the most amazing people I know, and I'm not just blowing smoke at you. You are way mad talented, so uh, that you could do that that accurately. It was awesome. Anyway, uh, and the costume, I mean, is, it speaks for itself, though, really. Uh, it's so awesome. So, yeah, I thought you had. I might be the only one, Aaron. Kogan, have you read the books? I thought you had. I have not yet read the books. Uh, I am the only one in this group that has read the books. You get the gold star. I don't read anymore. I I want for I want to make sure that all of them are actually where I started. I, however, went to a a viewing party for the season premiere that was a combination birthday party. So out on the West coast, I experienced game of tacos. Ah, nice. So, you know, game of tacos. All right. So, all right. So, well, books aside, we all see. So everyone has, has caught up. That's fantastic. So let's just deep dive and we should be Darby spoilers. Um, I, I got to make, I'm going to do that Barbie spoilers so at some point and have it be a sound effect that I can polyp up. But for right now, spoiler alert, if you have not watched the show, go watch the show. It's 54 really short minutes. It is a short episode. Oh, yeah. We all, we all exclaimed when it went to credits. 
It was super, super short. So go back, watch it, and come right back. We will be here talking about Game of Thrones. But So we are going to talk about previous seasons as well cause, and character lines. And we're not going to get too crazy with it, Mike Darwin. We don't want to – he's gone through this already. But we are going to talk about, like, what we see – predictions as well, as wild as we want, anything like that. So first things first, let's go right in with the credits. Because I guess everyone I know made an audible gasp when the credits rose. Okay, so what is who wants to yeah. take the lead and explain the was down? Go ahead. So who wants to talk about the whole? But not just the wall. There's so much happening in this sequence. Does anybody want to talk about right, it? Right, you have. You start ahead, with Mike. the wall down. You start with the wall down. The wall's been one of the few fixtures because they always change the settings. And even when we've not been at the wall, they've still shown the wall or Castle Black in the opening credits, you know, and Winterfell and King's Landing. Those are the three things they've always done on the show, right? Um, and now a lot of places are off the board. So they open with the, the King's Landing. What you might miss um, is that there's tiles flipping over, uh, these, like, blue tiles, and they seem to represent right. the advancing army of the undead. Yeah. And, and we'll they're going. Episodes that goes. Yeah, I noticed that. And they're going. They, they were Lord advancing Umber. on Last Heart. Yeah, Last Heart, Lord Umber's castle, which is uh, going to play into it in a minute. There's, so, I, oh my God, that scene bothers. Anyway, we'll talk about that in yeah. a minute. But, but I, I wanted to talk about how it's not just about buildings building up. We're actually going into buildings now, right, Mike? Yeah, that was yes. amazing. It was. Who wants to take that, Moxie? Was that you? No, I was just saying it was amazing. I have very little to yeah. offer other than oohs and ahs. Because the opening sequence was divergently was different from everything we've seen the last seven seasons. It was not the predictable swoop over the map that we've uh, come to know and love. And I, I'm not mad at the change, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it, we go into buildings. We go into Dragonstone, I believe. We went under King's Landing into Kyburn's Lab. Those are very specific places that they're showing us. And we end in the throne room in King's Landing. Um, I, I think one of those was the was either the tomb of of Winterfell, right? One of those, yeah. and very yeah, specifically. So- I'm I'm thinking they're showing us that because that's going to become Haven. Uh, see, I have a uh, I have a, a fan theory that just... about the about the uh, crypts at Winterfell that would make that not a good haven uh, when we get deeper into it. Well, yeah, I have, maybe. A, I, have a, I have a different theory as to what the haven's going to be, but um, because of the well, well, we'll get into that later too. So well, no, um, we can get onto it now. This we this is free form, dude. We're not like as structured as 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 dark discussions well, is. You know, you're familiar with um, in, in any kind of uh, a medium, but, all, but primarily in like movies and TV shows, the rule of threes. You know, mm-hmm. if they introduce something and have it, you know, get a three beat. You know, it'll show up three times. Um, you very rarely mention something twice and just leave it at that. If it comes up twice, it's going to come up a third time. Well, the last episode of last season, um, you had uh, Euron Greyjoy in a, in a bluff. It was a feint. But he says that he's going to retreat to the Iron Islands because they will be safe there from the advancing undead. Oh, in that's this right. Episode, and in this episode, you have Yara Greyjoy say, we're going to go back and take the Iron Islands be- right, because uh, we- we're going to need to have a place to fall back to. 
and so that was the second time it's been mentioned in two episodes that the Iron Islands would be a place to go that would be safe from the undead. Right. Yeah, that's what they say so, for the zombie apocalypse, to go to an island. Yeah, and so that, so that leads me to think that in the next episode or two, Winterfell is going to fall, and there will be a mass exodus to the Iron Islands of wherever the survivors are. That's my guess. And that's yeah, pretty good guess. Yeah, and I... Go ahead. Uh, the, the battle for Winterfell is the next episode. And I think that there were two moments in this in this new episode that they showed that foreshadow which major characters dying, and I'm and it's going to kill us all. Mm. Well, um, did anybody I, else the foreshadowing? Well, I want to know before I say anything. Yeah, don't I don't know, but but go to when you just you can describe the foreshadowing and then not tell us who you think it is because mm-hmm. I do want to leave some mystery to this, but. I also want to know about Moxie's fan fiction about what would be a bad idea about hiding in the crypts because I would think that because they've used the crypts as safe havens before on the show. That's why, but even though I think Mike might have an absolute point, they did say it twice that the Iron Islands would be safe and they have showed that the the zombies sink. They can't swim. These ones, white stone swim. We don't know, but there's still a dragon out there. No, they don't. They don't swim, but I think that they walk on the bottom of water. How else would they have gotten the chains on the? Yeah, they got the chains around the dragon, dragon to get them up. up. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. I, <laughs> they don't swim; they walk. Well, yeah, they walk. Yeah, just, like on, just like on the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's oh, going to be a great haven, but it, it could be a haven. Yeah, yeah. at least the the whites would be slower getting to you dragon notwithstanding but the uh the fan theory about the crypts of winterfell actually comes from the uh the trailer for season eight where we see Arya running in terror like toward the camera through her family crypts and Arya looking scared of course is a, a big big deal because she's grown into quite a little warrior queen uh the theory is that the night king has reached winterfell and has resurrected all of her ancestors Oh jeez! Maybe we can see Sean Bean again. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, his, yeah, his bones were returned. His bones were returned. I was I did a an episode of uh, Fan Theory World podcast uh, a few days ago, so we got into all of this stuff pretty deep. Uh, but perhaps uh, the panel can help me set a detail to rest. None of us could remember the show's version of the disposition of Catelyn Stark's body. Like, I think the last we heard was it was thrown in the river, but they don't think they ever say that anyone reclaimed it. So we couldn't decide whether or not Catelyn would be in the Stark crypt. I don't I, think they did. But... No, if she if she's the uh-uh. river, she, she, I don't think she's able to be retrieved. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever recovered her body. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Right, and there were, there were people waiting for the Lady Stoneheart storyline. Yeah. Which I, which I don't think they they would have been waiting for if they had recovered the body. So the fact that it's out there, you know, allowed some of the, the book readers to hold out hope they were going to tell that storyline until it was finally quashed. Um so I'm going well, to I didn't want Lady Stoneheart anyway because she I didn't want Lady Stoneheart to show up anyway because in the book she kills Podrick and I need to know what he did to those horse. 
<laughs> I want we Podrick to give me. We all Podrick is, is one of my favorite side characters, as is Gendry, and it's really nice to see both of them, you know? So, you know, they're both heroes. And I can't, we didn't see and, any of Rian and Podrick, though, this episode, did we? Nope. No. Nope. Can we talk about, can we talk about um, Gendry eating? I'm sorry, Aaron. Can you say that again, please? When Gendry- Yes, said, can we talk about Gendry and Arya's scene? Because that was, oh, my God. <laughs> I've been right? wanting to get together forever. It was so fucking, it was great. Uh, and and you a Baratheon Stark wedding. I think that if anybody deserves the Iron Throne, it's Gendry. That's always been, even though I think Cersei was, <laughs> might win, um, and I kind of root for her in an odd, horrible way. Uh, Gendry is the, is a nice guy, and he's never really gotten into too much trouble. I mean, you know, he rode for a while, and we don't know where he was at that point. But you know, uh, you know, so yeah, I was very pleased that they have brought everybody back together, and and you know, the cute little friction they had because last time they saw each other, they were both lying to each other about who they really were. And now they both know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and there's a lot of dragon glass being made. And, you know, that's going to come back in. Did we see, did anybody besides myself screen capture the the design that Arya showed Gendry on the napkin? It looks it looks like a spear. It looks like a spear to me, right? Like a double-headed spear, maybe? Yeah. I think I it's could, a dagger. Uh, what the was. Well, I think, and I, I yeah, I, I, I looked at the pictures because well, I figured other, other people screen captured. Um, I think it's a staff that can separate. Do you think she's going to do a lot of double work? Like well, double... I think she's got because she's got dragon glass on one end, and there's nothing on the other end, which makes me wonder if she's got uh, if she's going to take. Uh, the blade from the dagger and put it in the other end. So that way she has a dragon glass on one side and Valyrian steel on the other end. That would be cool. And you know what? We get to actually see, we've never really seen Arya in full battle mode. We've seen her assassinate some people, but we've never seen her fight on a large scale battle. So this will be a, a you know, the, the, you know, this will be up there with Brienne and her, her last season or the Hound and Brienne. Uh, I really want to know where Brienne is through all of this because she's like their only paladin in Westeros. They're gonna need her. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, well, she's there. not the I only one. They doing. have Sir Jorah. Well, Sir Jorah, though he's not really a good, good guy. I mean, he's devoted, but I wouldn't call him lawful good. Uh, <laughs> so, or Davos, he's That's a pirate. I think, I think Sir Jorah learned really fucking hard way on on how the on what his honor entails, and I think overall Sir Jorah is extremely good, and he'll do anything to protect them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bring... Vote lawful good for him too. I, I'm actually hoping now. he wins. Uh, you know, he survives. I want him to survive, but I don't know if he's going to. Sir Jorah may not survive. Uh, you know that we he's have... not. Go ahead. I said we had a death pool at work, um, huh. and I got mine in. And I, the hardest ones were figuring out, and I know it could be wrong on everybody, 
plot, I have my theories about all the main characters who lives and who dies, but the secondary characters like Jorah and Davos and Podrick and Brienne, and, you know, those are the ones I had the most difficulty with because I could see any one of them living, any one of them dying. Um, and I actually picked Gendry to become a White Walker because I figured somebody's going to become a White Walker and it's going to have to be somebody really tragic, somebody really good-hearted. And it was either going to be him or, no, or uh, Padre. I... Oh, no. Oh, Padre. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I don't want to do a death pool here because, you know, well, the one thing I will say about uh, Game of Thrones is they often subvert our, our expectations. Oh, absolutely. Like, Joffrey's yep. death is a good example of that where everyone thought we were going to see comeuppance. He was poisoned, and what we got was a shot of a dying 16-year-old boy in a mom's arms. And it remind us how young, even though he was a horrible person, that that's a terrible way to die. Uh, you know, there's always, uh, you know, I've always kind of admired Game of Thrones that way. Uh, you know, that, you know, they death, the, you feel the deaths even of a lot of the villains or a lot of the smaller side characters, like Roz, for example. You really felt the murders and deaths in the show. Uh, it wasn't played for spectacle, even though it's a, it's a very fantastical show overall. I, I admit, always like that tone. But at the same time, we have a lot of real serious stuff going down. We have, like, Arya is this, like, young, crazy assassin psychopath. And then you have Cersei, who's this psychopath female on on a throne who blew up an entire church full of the richest people in Westeros. Uh, you know, um, and an entire family line of Tyrells. Uh, what you know, there's a lot of like the the old Sansa is another example of that too. She's also now this cold, angry, calculating woman. Daenerys is just like I'm gonna break the wheel and burn y'all. And uh, you know, I I don't know what you know. Even though last season was cozily a the season of women, I'm starting to see that the women are really starting to harden as characters, and I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but it's definitely an obvious thing. Now, there's a lot of reasons why. They look at the path that has been written for them over the years. Um, how do we feel about the, the change of, of, of tone that the show had, where it got harder and harder, and then smart characters are now no, are marginalized, like Tyrion, yet Will they have time to shine in this new season? I know there's two-hour episodes or 80-minute episodes coming up. Are they going to – I had a lot of issues with Season 7, clearly. <laughs> Someone else take it because I'm rambling. Because Season 7, I found, was, was, was kind of – with a few exceptions, I really love Jamie. I think his story arc is the best, and the dragons themselves are just amazing. Uh, but but the, I'm no, having I'm, real I'm, issues. I'm really looking forward to what goes down and Jamie <laughs> waiting for an old friend I if I was going to yeah, put a death pull out Jamie is 100% toast I know that he's dying maybe burnt up by a dragon I don't think he's going to die by a dragon though uh, go ahead Mike I, I think first of all I'll say I still like a lot of season 7 I think the problem is the playing with the time I think most of it works if you accept the fact that they're they're fast forwarding through it but I think it's very obvious yeah. that they realize they only have the the allowance for a certain number of episodes, and they've forced a lot of the pieces in position for the end game. 
to get it there in time, right, to get all the pieces together they wanted there. I think if you just look at scene by scene, most of the scenes are, are fine. It's the connective tissue that was kind of weak for that season. And I, I enjoyed it actually a lot more on the, on the second watch uh, and the third watch when I was kind of expecting that to happen. And they do say in one of the commentaries that, you know, in some cases weeks, you know, or, you know, or months might pass between scenes. It would be nice if they had some acknowledgement of that in the episodes, as opposed to making it seem like Tyrion just hopped on the taxi and, and rode to King's Landing. Yeah. Hey, hey folks, hey ladies and gentlemen um, yeah. I hope you can hear me I am like having problems with my cell network or something I'm only getting about every third syllable So oh, I think I am going to have to I think I'm going to have to be the tragic early death In this particular uh, Game of Thrones iteration well, before, you, before you go Because I can hear you just fine by the way Moxie uh, You sound beautiful actually So uh, can you hear me okay? Like I'm getting some of it, but not not enough to participate. Ah, oh, because I wanted you to come in. Oh well, okay, Cersei, uh, Moxie, if you can understand some of this, can you tell them once again uh, where they can find you on the interwebs if they're interested? Okay, yeah, you can check out my show, Your Brain on Facts, a half-hour podcast of things you never knew you never knew, available on all podcast platforms or yourbrainonfacts.com. Excellent. And uh, in January, I did a small thing on uh, the Glass Armonica uh, for her, one of her shows. Her show is a general interest podcast with lots of different things that they talk about. And so thank you for coming on the show, Moxie. I'm sorry you're having trouble listening. And, you know, podcast. this is blog talk, and it's notoriously bad. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I will get a Patreon account, but no. <laughs> so thank you anyways for calling in. So she's gone. Bye-bye. Erin Marie dropped. Bye, I don't think Erin Marie. Marie meant to drop. I really wish Erin Marie would come back. Let me see if I can get her back. So uh, that was Moxie LaBlesh. I'm sorry that her thing, we're having technical difficulties tonight. But yeah. uh, let's, I don't think, you know, now that you're saying that, I think it's more, it wasn't that they were hardening. I think they were becoming more one note because they needed to move faster. Maybe that was what was happening and why I was uh, having issues with season seven, because there's some really good stuff happening in uh, season seven. Right. Yeah. I think with the, the, the female characters, I think of all the characters, the game of Thrones has a habit of giving the characters exactly what they wanted in the worst way possible. Right. Sansa wanted nothing more than to be wedded to, to King Joffrey, you know, and, suffered terribly for that. Um, Arya wanted to be a little warrior princess and she, you know, got it at the expense of her family and being a fugitive for three seasons and being blinded and going through the whole thing in the House of Black and White. Um, uh, what's it, Brienne wanted to be a knight and she got to be a knight but watched everybody that she pledged her loyalty to die under her, her watch. Um, so Which is also a theme in the book. Happen. The, the book that's but I don't think it's just the female characters, you know, it, it happens to, you know, the male characters as well. Different things happen with them too. Uh, Tyrion is no longer the same character he was. Um, he's a lot more sober and a lot less funny than he used to be for the most part. Um, 
Jon Snow is, you know, gotten uh, things that he wanted that he probably in ways that he had never wanted to have. Um, you know, I think Danny has come a long way. You know, she is, you know, if you look at her history as to what she's learned and how she's learned, it explains a lot of her vacillating behavior that when she's been trying, she's been betrayed. And when, when she's been too strong, it's been backfired and she doesn't always know which is the right way to go at any one particular point in time. But I think it feels very natural to someone who's trying to feel her way through to a position of power that she's never been trained for or raised for, you know, is, you know, she doesn't always know when it is to use the strong hand and when it is to use mercy. Uh, yeah. And then going to that and bringing it back to Sir Jorah and, um, Dannery, there's the, the the probably the best scene, uh, mo- one of the best scenes of season seven last year, or maybe last this last weekend, was uh, Sam Dannery and Sir Jora in the library. I, I that was the scene that's I, I, it just it was played a little bit for laughs, which was odd, but at the same time, you just knew this was going to be this conversation was not going to end well. So uh, mm. how did you all feel about that scene? And giving, and giving uh, the guy who plays Samuel Tarley actually a little bit of range because he's just sitting there listening, but you can see in his eyes and his lip like his emotional like shift during the whole conversation. And I really think he's actually one of especially, the best actors on the show. Go ahead, Aaron. Especially the difference between him, him receiving the news of his father and then his news of his, his brother because you can see he really was upset by the news of his, his brother. His brother, you know, he cared for. His dad kind of deserved it. He was an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he yeah, didn't he really... Has, he has to play different shades of grief. Yeah, it, it, it's really well done, you know. I, I was really, you know, and then you have Dannery's. I think Dannery's, like, and you know, the one thing I will say that they had her character tell him the truth there makes it a stronger story arc. Now, I mean, truth was one of the things that was happening throughout this episode as well, because you had the truth. People now know that the White Walkers are real. You have the truth of, of John's lineage coming out. You had the truth of what happened with Samuel Tarley. They got all that stuff out of the way. You were right about that, Mike. You predicted you you the 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 pa- your panel was right on the money on that uh, about that they were going to just tell the secret in the first episode. Um, they totally did. Get oh, it out I of did, the way. I, did, I thought it was going to be the end of the episode. And there were two more scenes after that. You know, but it was Let's, close enough. I'll take credit. Yeah, no, you you guys were good enough on that. I, I totally give you credit on that. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited for this new season. Go ahead. I was going to say that would be the significance of going into the crypts of Winterfell because that's where he learns the truth that he is the king. And Maybe. And credit. Well, and so I also why, want to say, remember, remember back in season one in episode two, the last time he sees um, – Ned Stark, Ned says, well, you know, when we, when we, when I see you next, we'll talk about your mother. And when do we find, see, when does he learn about the truth about his parents? He's standing in front of the statue of Ned Stark. Ned, that's you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's very, very true. And there, there so was a lot of callbacks to the first episode. 
I mean, everything oh, to the very the very last shot with Braun and Jamie, which was so abrupt yep. when it ended. I was like, that's it? Whoa, way too short. <laughs> Even though I knew it was a short episode, but it did kind of throw me off guard, especially because I like, like I said, Jamie's my favorite character. He has the most interesting story arc, goes around in circles. He's a tragic hero. He's going to die. Absolutely. Um, but I think he's going to go out in a blaze of glory, and I'm, I can't wait to see what he does. Um, it, I, I, well, I'm, that, go ahead. That's been the one thing I've debated um, is how he's going to go out because someone gets the honor of killing Cersei, and I want it to be Arya because that's the name on her list, but I think it's going to have to be Jamie. He's going to be the only one who can get close enough, and I think he's going to die killing his sister. I, That's my prediction. <laughs> that that might happen, and I. But as Mike knows, I've been throwing out this really crazy one because I think what's going to happen is that you're right. Somehow, Arya's going to get past the mountain and get to Cersei. I don't know how she's going to do it, but she's going to figure it out. Um, and but she's going to find. And this is the real question: How many people believe that Cersei's actually pregnant in this group? I do. Uh, um, no. I think Not, she was pregnant. I think she lost it. I don't think she. I thought she. I thought she was at the end of last season. Now it's been like a at least a, a, a month or two since she said she was pregnant, and I still don't see a baby bump. So I'm less certain than I was. I don't know I if she's telling she the truth or not. You think she miscarried? So. I, I mean, that's always a possibility. She wasn't, drinking wine. she wasn't drinking wine. She was very protective. But in that scene with Euron, she was drinking wine. I think you're she right. lost a baby and she's trying you, to get pregnant. Kids are the only thing she cares about. You're yeah, absolutely but my mother right. drank that's, wine, I'm sure, when, I was, when she was pregnant, too. I mean, <laughs> they don't have, I don't know if they know about fetal alcohol syndrome in Westeros. Well, hmm. but she does when he says she, yep. when you're on says I'm going to put a prince in you. She does as he, she cries. She actually loses one tear down her cheek, and it wasn't for Euron that she was doing that for. She was thinking about her miscarried baby. I think you're right because that's as much as as Cersei has ever showed any emotion. She doesn't show emotion very very rarely. And I mean, this woman is only amazing that way. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, that, that was exactly what the the next scene I was going to bring up to was the Euron Cersei scene. But but you're right. You know that one tear. It's because she only cries when it's her children. Yeah. And I think she lost. Her and I think she's trying to get pregnant again. All right. So hmm. well, here's here's my uh, like crazy theory. Okay. If she is pregnant, let's assume she's pregnant, even though I'm leaning now with you guys that I don't think she's pregnant anymore, that she might have been pregnant. Um, let's just say they, they, the, the Arya makes it to Winterfell. She makes it past the mountain. She skips to Cersei's room, and Cersei is actually in the middle of childbirth, but she's having complications. And what instead of Arya getting to kill Cersei, she's going to have to save the baby first with Cersei's permission because Cersei will sacrifice herself for her little brother because I was hoping it was Jamie's baby. If it was Jamie's baby, that could count as a little brother, you know, because, you know, it would be brother and, and father at the same time. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen now. But anyway, that was my crazy outlandish I don't think is actually going to happen prediction. But I think that would be cool. 
very I've much like Walking Dead. I've heard somebody suggest that maybe Arya, that Jamie doesn't survive and Arya uses his face to get to Cersei. But there, that, that was different than height. Well, it's, it's, the, the height matters. She takes on the persona of the individual. She learned that from the many face god. I mean, how else did she pull off Walter Frey? <laughs> Walter Frey, though, is considerably shorter than that was, Jamie, that, though. Yeah. And he hunches over. <laughs> so there's that. I, I don't know, but maybe. I still think it's going to be Arya to kill the mountain. It's not going to be the hound. It's going to be Arya to take out the mountain. Somehow, I've always thought it was going to be Arya is going to be the one to take the mountain. Well, but, I think well, she might kill them both. So, I, you think she I might think kill, she the might kill, kill both the hound now? I don't think well, she's going to kill that, the but hound. I but I think what might happen is everyone's waiting for the Clegane Bowl, and I think they may be in the position where uh, the, where she kills the mountain to keep him from killing the hound, but the hound will be injured, and maybe she finally puts him out of his misery, which she didn't do the last time. But he survived. He survives the battle with the mountain, but he's clearly going to die or uh-huh. is badly wounded. And so maybe she ends up being the one that, that puts him down this time because, again, she left him to die last time. And he survived. But I, I can't picture either of the Clegane brothers surviving. Now, that said, if I had a choice for a spinoff series, it would totally be Arya and the Hound and maybe Brienne going off and traveling you know, through the rest of, of the, 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 the world uh, that we haven't explored. Um, but I, just, I, I think the Hound and the Mountain are both going to die. Either they're going to kill each other. Or are you going to kill one or both? We'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned. I mean, it, it, it's all there's so much that they can do. I'm wondering how much to they're also going to. They've got to see the ending that that uh, George Martin may have done. And I'm wondering how much of that has been incorporated into these actual scripts. The only thing I hope doesn't happen, and I think because this I think would be a total cheat. Um, there's this fan theory about Bronn I wanted to talk about uh, where he's also Bronn the Builder. And remember, in season six, he's able to ward into the past and the present simultaneously uh, when in the Hold the Door episode. Uh, we yeah, learned that, right. and that he was in, and then he was actually real, the reason why Hodor had the brain aneurysm when he did uh, yeah. as a kid. So um, there's this theory saying that Bronn that the Walkers are going to win, and Bronn goes back in time and walk because he uh, he is the Night King. Maybe I don't know. There's some people thinking that yep. too um, yep. to build the wall. And it just starts this endless cycle over and over again. It's going to keep happening until the end of time. And I really hope that doesn't happen because I, I get the bleakness of it, but I think it's a little bit of a cheat to use the ma- magic to solve the problem fully. I think magic should be part of it, but I don't think magic itself should be. It, it, magic's always plot device. And they've been very, very smart about their magic on this show of not, using it to the you know not to rely on it but to use that as a it it follows the narrative and it's not being used as a crutch and i really hope they don't do that and and i'm really kind of worried they are right and they 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 establish 
that most of the Stark children are named after other Starks. So, yeah, that makes sense because there have been other Rickons. There were other um, there were other uh, Eddards and so forth. There, and there were other brands. So, so I don't have a problem with them. I, so I, I just think time travel is just such a science fiction trope. And it's been such a, and it's not been a substantial part of this series. The main reason for it is to learn some secrets. And he doesn't change history. He, he may influence it, but it's not like Back to the Future where he changes the present day by meddling around with the past. Well, that's you know, where the that, endless loop of misery happens. That's exactly right, because you can't actually change anything. It just, it will always keep going like this for a thousand years. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that would be satisfactory. And I really, neither why. Get this far, I think all the resolution has to come out of character and not out of plot, plot device. Or which most brings, of it, you know, which is why, which is why I don't think the Night King storyline will be the last thing. I think the game of the, the throne has to be the last thing that they resolve. Which is a Cersei. We get to Cersei, right. and this is why I wanted to talk about Cersei as a character because she, yeah, you know, we talked about her already. But Cersei really is and deserves to be the big bad of Game of Thrones. It's not the Night King. He didn't really earn it, if you know what I'm saying. Cersei and and Lena Headley's character over the years has earned the right to be the foil to everybody else. And, 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 and boy, what an interesting character and ride Cersei has been. I, I, it's one of the reasons why I kind of root her on because if anything, she's a survivor and, and, and almost all the women, that's why the reasons why they get so hard is that they all are survivors in some way. And she was a survivor from, pretty much from when she was born, always having to look up to her father, always not good enough, even if she was smarter than her brother, one of her, at least one of her brothers, uh, you know, always, always not, always having to be second best. And then like, you know, I don't know why she believed, you know, witch in the woods told her a prophecy. I, you know, I, I never really buy the Cersei believe that, but you know, prophecies are deadly accurate in fantasies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you can't get away from that trope if you've tried. <laughs> so, uh, so Aaron, you've been quiet. Aaron Kogan, you've been quiet for a while. Yeah. How do you feel about Cersei as a character? And uh, uh, oh, and, uh, and, and and I mean, what do you feel about her? I, I was just saying at the uh, party I, I was at Sunday that I fucking hate her, and and just when I'm really full of vitriol and hate. She does something to make me empathize with her, and then I hate her even more. And the acting is superb. Yeah. Um, it, it, I just couldn't ask for a better performance from. Uh, gosh darn it. Um, Lena know, Henley. Thank you, Lena. Um, I was going to actually propose a question to all of you. All right. Uh, speaking in the religious realm, we have seen some shit. That can't be explained except by the gods, old and new. Uh, do we see any Deus Ex Machina at the end? And which gods are the powerful gods? I hope well, not. I, Go I, ahead. I, I, I think the Lord... some of it with Metaphorians. Oh no! Ha ha ha! Erin Marie, I'm skipping Mike. Erin Marie, what's your what? What are you saying? <laughs> I, I was going to say that, that the Lord of Light, it was right about the king. It was just Jon Snow that there was king he was talking about, the prince that was promised. 
And Melisandre was coming back, absolutely, because she she said she had to die in this strange land. So she still has one more feat to perform before she's gone. Uh, Mike and and his group crew on on uh, John, you know nothing. John Snow were talking about Melisandre like she was only in what Mike two episodes the whole season, but both those episodes were pivotal to the plot. Well, she was in it for a smidgen and in two episodes, like she's like popped up in one to give a warning and then had a conversation with Varys in the other, and the whole conversation with Varys was, "Hey, we're both going to die," and. Uh-huh. You don't have that conversation in a show where time is is money if they're not going to pay that off. So I so I think both Varys and Melisandre died this season, unless for some reason there's a spinoff that we don't know about that's going to be set in Westeros starring Melisandre and Varys. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think they're both toast. Um, so- well, and what we have both of the flaming swords and the possession of people in at West in in um, speaking of religions up in uh, West. What's it called? <laughs> what's the name of the freaking Winter- uh, Winterfell? I was about to call it Rivendell. Right. I tells you how tired I am. <laughs> Winterfell. Um, and so, uh, Sir Beric Don Don Donarin, He is that his name? Don he Darian. has. Yeah, Daldarian, he has a flaming sword, and his buddy has a flaming sword. So there's still two flaming his swords out there. Died. Where's the third is... one? Where is Lightbringer? Who has Lightbringer? There's a third... the, the last time we saw Lightbringer, it was uh, uh, Brienne was chopping Stannis' head off. We have not seen Lightbringer come up since then. That... That's the no, third, that sword is, is that sword can kill uh walkers. So it needs to come back up. She put it on eBay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so, uh, has Oathkeeper, but it is Valerian. Oathkeeper yeah. is a is a Valerian hybrid. There's actually another uh it's a mix of two metals cuz they made two swords out of it. Where is the other sword? Who has the other well, that's, half? There's a sword that Jamie has, right, which is Widow's Whale, and Oathkeeper right. is the other one. That were both, that okay, both came yeah, from so, ice. And so those uh, are both Jamie killers. Has, has John Snow has Long Claw. So Jamie has Joffrey the Oatmeal. Needle's okay. Valerian Steel, right? Um, and so no, is the no, dagger. Jill's not Valerian Steel, but her dagger is. Her dagger is the yeah. one that was used to try to kill Bronn, and now she has it. Um, it's a Valerian and, steel uh, blade. And Sam has has the has his father's the sword, which like heart something, yeah. heartbreaker or something like that. Um, that that's another sword that um, is Valerian steel. So there is a fourth, right? And so all four of them are now in Winterfell. So maybe Brienne has Lightbringer, and she's holding on to it. Well, one of the four could turn out to be Lightbringer. Yeah, we'll Cause, see. Because Lightbringer isn't Valerian, but it is a flaming sword, like the other two flaming swords. So I'm just like, we have not seen it in like forever. And, I, and I've always like, it's, it's a weird obsession of mine trying to figure out how many Valerian blades are out there and who has what. <laughs> you know, I always think in a mental inventory. Okay, there I have. Now, I think all of them except for Lightbringer are accounted for, and they're all in Winterfell at this point. So there's yeah, so it is unknown what became of the sword after Stannis leaves it behind on the beach at Dragonstone. This is out of the Game of Thrones wiki. Uh-huh. So, okay. 
It was last seen being carried by Sir Davos Seaworth. So Sir Davos might have Lightbringer. That's interesting. Maybe. Which would would mean it's in all likelihood either at Winterfell or or left behind at Dragonstone. I hope they find it in Winterfell. But (laughs) I hope it's in Winterfell. They can use it. I mean, they're they're really short of... of, of, They don't only have one lawful good character left and and, uh, not a lot of, like, sense. Uh, you know, I want to say something about the show itself too. I'm going to go back to the opening sequence after after the credits. When we get to Winterfell and there's this wonderful like uh, procession and there's dragons and they do all this really cool imagery. The look on Sansa's face when Danery meets her for the first time, she's like, "Yeah, bitch, uh-uh." <laughs> it was like I just I, I kind of felt it. I was like, "Yeah, no, uh-uh." Uh, you know, I, I thought that was pretty funny, but um, where was I? I wasn't actually wanting to talk about that. Or was I? Oh my god! See, I'm getting too tired. We're gonna end this tonight soon, ladies and gentlemen. Which is, um, okay. So they march in, and then uh, there's the dragon sequence, and Arya's there, and she's actually really happy about the dragon. So let's talk about the dragons for a second. John fucking rides the dragon. Spoiler alert. Uh, oh. but, not much of a spoiler he alert because it's all over the web right now. Uh, you know, uh, that would, uh, without going into the theory, this will cement two characters' lineages for sure. One is Jon Snow's, which we already knew, right? Because, uh-huh. And then the other one is going to be Tyrion. Tyrion is, 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 is not who he thinks, he's not Tywin's son after all of this. <laughs> well, we don't know that. That's been a theory that's been out there, but it's never been confirmed. Yeah, but yeah. he knows he, he but knows a lot about dragons. He's the only other person of the main characters that has touched one. Um, and uh, there's this theory did that he touched them? He I know wrong. he freed them. Yeah, well, he did free. He took the going, collar off of them. Going back and watch rewatching the the shows, um, Tywin's clearly states a couple of times that the only reason that he claims Tyrion as his own is because he can't prove otherwise. And I think that there is a lot to the fact that he is a Targaryen. Yeah, hmm. I, I'm wondering if, you know, he would be the, the, the child of was Lyanna Lannister or Joanna Lannister and uh, was not and the Mad King. It would be the Mad King, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, Aegon, the Mad King. So that would actually give him more claim to the throne than Danneries or John, if you think about it. It still seems like, you know, it's going to be really, they've got five episodes left now. Mm-hmm. So they have done, they, they had a lot of hints and theories about Jon Snow. They really would have to do a spectacular job bringing that off in a way that felt genuine and not like they were pulling it out of their ass. Well, I do have a lot of confidence in these writers, though, except for maybe season seven. But, uh, you know, but I still actually there's a lot to like in season seven, too. I'm kind of pissing on it more than I should. Uh, But I I do think that 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 theory could still play out. I don't know. There's I think they kind of hint at it a lot of the time. You know, you know, I it would make a lot of sense of things that have been said and in the book too 
uh, there, there's a lot of things in it that point that direction. And he looks very, and in the book, he's very different looking than what we get with Dinklage. Yeah. Uh, he's blonde, first of all, like the Lannisters, uh, you know, which makes sense because all the Lannisters are blonde, but he looks different than the Lannisters. And, the, and also he gets kind of loses his nose and he gets a scar on his face. I mean, by the time he married, he was more Sansa, blonde in the first season. Well, he was more blonde in the first season. That is true, actually. I did look at the first season a while back, and and the the very first brothel scene, he's pretty blonde in that shot. Actually, I was like, oh, he did have blonde hair at one time. So, uh, so, uh, so we got Dragon, and we've got Winterfell. Go ahead, Aaron. I I just said Jamie's hair is darkened over the seasons, too. Yeah, I think they all have... As far as the foreshadowing I mentioned earlier, there was a scene where Bran was looking at Tyrion on the balcony, and then Tyrion was the last person that was shown in the scene um, as they're pulling away from Winterfell, and I think that Tyrion is the main character we're going to lose the next episode. I hope not. That, that would be, I, I'll be devastated if Tyrion was out in the second yeah. episode. So, Go back and watch that episode again. There's when um, when Sansa and Tyrion are talking on the balcony. There's this ominous music that plays that when Bran's looking at him. And I am yeah. really wondering what the fuck Bran is going to do now that he's been paid to kill the two people he cares most about in the world. Because he prides himself on being a sellsword, and he said that if he was ever paid, he would do it. So that is well, a serious yeah. moral dilemma for Bronn. All right. Well, yeah. okay. Then then I'm going to expand on your theory and say that Tyrion's the one that's turned into a White Walker, and Bronn is going to have to kill him out of mercy. Hmm. So yeah, that's I would what, say that would be a closer accuracy. Because yeah. uh, I really think that, that we're going to lose Tyrion, and that's going to fucking kill us all. Oh, God, I'll cry, because Peter Dinkridge mm-hmm. is but I remember what I was going to say, and it leads to the end of the show. Um, the, the, after the, the, the immediate march in, there's a scene in the hall where they're all complaining about, I, we have to bend a knee to this chick. We don't know her. We're not slaves, blah, blah, blah. And John's trying to convince them. And Liana Mormont is, like, totally upset and everything. Right before yeah. that, though, Lord Umber, they popped out another young lord. Right, and yep. they sent him on his way to the hearth to go get his people and bring them back. Right, and I was like, why are they giving us two little kids? We already have Liana. We we don't need another one. Oh God, no! <laughs> I was like, they never do anything on Game of Thrones with uh, more than once, like like Mike said, without it coming back. And sometimes they only do it once. And what we got was a true horror moment. I haven't seen a yeah. true horror moment like that in a while. So how do y'all feel about that? So well, they've good. shown Lord Umber before. They showed him uh, last season in front of uh, the King in the North, Jon Snow, um, when he said that he did, wasn't going to take you know, last hearth away from the Umber house because of one Umber turned. And That's right. So they have on there before. And but he was they so were, cute. His little head out. Oh, oh. So I cute. Know, I saw, I, then they, oh, they, they showed, um, I watched a thing where, and I think I posted it on the Dark Discussions page of of the the, the stunt double and, and how that sequence was done. Uh, it's pretty oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, if you have HBO Now or HBO Go, 
that there's like a 17 minute making of C uh, thing on the making of that episode, and they spend some time on it on there, where they have a, a little person playing the part of uh, Lord Umber, you know, as his stunt double, and how he just got set on fire while pinned to the wall and was like almost oblivious to it because he's got this Lord Umber mask on and he couldn't see anything. Mm. It's pretty cool. So let, this brings yeah. us back to the Night King and the sigil. Um, now, the writers have said that the sigil has no direct meaning in the sense that it, they didn't give it, like, a specific meaning. But a lot of people think that it's an offshoot of the Targaryen um, three-headed dragon, which would lead us to the other theory about the Night King, that he's not Bran the Builder, but he is um, Aegon Targaryen himself with his heart hardened after what happened with Lyanna Stark. So do we give any validity well, to that theory at all? Well, Rhaegar was the one with Lyanna and that's the reason oh, why Jon Snow writing uh, Rhaegar Rhaegar but Aegon Targaryen Mad King I mean he burned <laughs> in wildfire that's not him it's not him. Okay. I don't think it's him either. I, I think the Braun theory is closer to the truth because it's the story that old uh, that old man was telling him in the very first book as well is the story of the Night King. Chapter one, Bran was told this story. So I, I, I do think that there might be some validity to him being the Night King simultaneously. And, but there's also the theory that he's actually a Targaryen because he can ride a dragon. So these are all things that they're going to try to reveal to us as we watch the show. And I guess there's one episode that they added 22 minutes to at the last minute. Uh, episode four, I think. Uh, which is So they actually are still cut up until last week. They were still cutting the episode. Oh, you know, I forgot to mention, I was listening to um, the podcast. It's called House Podcastica, a review of this episode. They were talking about the opening sequence. They did say every opening sequence apparently is going to be different. Wow. Uh, I want to see Ghost come back to John's side. I want to see him have a dragon in. God damn it. <laughs> what was, did we even see, see Ghost last season? No, Ghost uh, was not in no. last season. But I think but they we, said that they spent the majority of their uh, CGI budget on dragons last season, and that's why we didn't see Direwolves. Well, we but we did see Namiria, uh, and she is following the same story arc that Namiria has in the books, where she's amassing a wolf army. So I would actually really, really hope that maybe one of the, the things up Arya's sleeve might be because the woods are filled with this, uh, wolves running with a leader dire wolf. They can actually attack walkers. Wouldn't that be a cool surprise? Yeah. I would love to see that. And ghosts having joined too because I'm Arya's sister. Yeah, it would be awesome. Now that looks okay. I like the wild theories. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but it just seems like having a, a white versus wolf fight is like a total opportunity. Yeah, it says uh, here's a quote from the visual effects supervisor. It says, "Oh, you'll see him again. He has a fair amount of screen time in season eight. Uh, yes! The wolf is very, 
The wolf is very present and does some pretty cool things. So I have no idea if we see. I have no idea if we see Namiria again because Namiria that kind of felt like a farewell, like a yeah. Hey, just in case you know, you know we didn't forget it. I could also see her coming back. I could see them them doing that as well. Um, that that could have been a seed that will pay off. But I, you you have to bring back Ghost. I just hope Ghost lives. Oh my God! Well, it, he will only die if John dies because the wolf's uh, fate is interlocked with his 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 uh, Stark uh, family member. So it's you know well, as well. Lady died, and Sansa's still around. Yeah, well, no, but Lady's was a symbol. She died, and was that that as a symbol of of Sansa becoming defenseless. That was what that yeah, was. Okay. You know, and, and Namiria ran off, and we don't know where she goes. Arya disappeared. Uh, we know what and happened to the Great Wolf. Right? We don't want to know what we don't. You know, so all the other wolves, we know what happened to them. So uh, you know, we need ghosts back. We do, even though Ghost it, himself uh, passed on. Rest in peace. Namiria. Was, was it Summer was the one that uh, died defending Bran? Was Summer Bran's dog? Yeah, yeah Summer, Summer was. And the shaggy dog's head got sent. Uh, to John and Sansa at Castle Black to show that they had Rickon. Yep. Right. And he died. <laughs> Rickon, Rickon definitely. I mean, Sansa didn't even try to get Rickon. He, she's like, he's already dead. Uh, Which is really fucked up and cold. Like you don't run in a straight line when somebody's shooting arrows at you. And they're throwing spears, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, but, I don't, I've also never had somebody shoot arrows at me, so while I understand logically... You won't want to do that. I don't know if, in the heat of the moment, you know what, if your instincts take over. You know, if you, if you know, we would do that. You know, what is human instinct when being pursued? Is it to run in zigzags like a bunny, or is it to just dart off in the, you know, as, as fast as you can? So well, I don't he really might know what happens in that. If he ran as fast as he could, he might be able to outrun the pacing. Maybe because you know, remember, uh, bows. Even the, I think he's using not using a long bow to do that shot. And a long bow, he can hit on target anytime he wanted. A smaller bow, it's a bit harder. And the farther you get out, the less accuracy it has. So maybe he was counting on that. <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm just trying to get. Rick I don't on know. <laughs> so I, I I can't honestly tell you what I would do in the in the throes of battle. I I, I probably just go find the hole in the mud and just let the bodies fall on top of me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so we get the Battle of Winterfell on Sunday. And so uh, a lot of these answers will happen. The next episode, I believe, is 58 minutes long. So we're almost to 60 minutes. So yay. So it'll be an hour-long episode with commercials. And uh and listen to Dark Discussions podcast uh, spinoff, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, for the deep dive on every episode through the season run. Dark Discussions. Mike, tell them where they can find you. Well, all of our episodes, our almost 400 episodes, probably if you count the spinoffs, over 400 episodes of Dark Discussions and You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, and Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, and um, uh, Searching for American Gods can be found at the website uh, darkdiscussions.com. You can also find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, and you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Dark Discussions Facebook group. Um, anything 
one of our podcasts, you can discuss about issues there. You can send us emails at darkdiscussions at AOL.com because we still have an AOL address. I think we're the only ones. Um, you know, but we always are welcoming to new listeners, and we always want to hear what other people think because, you know, it helps to hear from someone besides just the three of us what, what your opinions are and what your theories are. And at this point, constantly harping on them on American on searching for American gods um, because I'm a huge mythological fan of, of cult of, of mythos from other cultures and stuff. And so I'm always going, no, 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 that's not what this person does. <laughs> you know, like, but, but it's funny cause I, I it's fun cause it's a good debate. Um, they, all three of them have different viewpoints. I like to talk to them and I, and I'm thank you, Mike, for putting up with my bullshit all these years. Oh, I think did he read? I think he might because we just recorded an episode this this morning or this afternoon. I think he read. Um, he might have even read something from you today. Um, yeah, I told him who Bridget was. Um, and, that was what, it. Yeah. Know, yeah. So because uh, Bridget came up in uh, the previous episode with uh, in, in New Orleans, and that was really as the personification as Brigitte. And it was pretty cool scene. So anyway, I just wanted you guys to let you know, because it does kind of loop back to Mad Sweeney. Like, it all kind of keeps going back around his coin, if you've noticed. Uh, So, yeah, so his coin is going to matter even on a bigger level than I think it does now. But that's all I'm going to say about Searching for American Gods. I don't know where it's going exactly yet. So, (laughs) which is... Yeah, nobody does. No, it's good and it's frustrating at the same time. And you'll also be coming back for season three of what of Westworld when they when and and that spinoff and that'll be next year because Game of Thrones will be no longer. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So we're looking forward to all your recaps and I just listened to their Suspiria two thousand eighteen episode. I liked it a lot more than they did but they had very good criticisms and valid points about the film. Cause it's, go ahead. Yeah. And I, and I hated that because well, all three of us disliked it, disliked it for, for, for different reasons. Um, but two of our co-hosts were not on it. I was hoping somebody would be on it that could speak out to defend the episode. You know, there have been times we've loved movies. People have hated and hated movies. People have loved. And, you know, that's always, uh, you know, the risk for that. And I've never, you know, faulted somebody for liking something we dislike. Well, I, I will defend it a bit, but you, you know, but you weren't completely wrong even on your criticisms, but I did think it, it, it was a better film than you guys were giving it credit for in some ways, but. Oh, oh I think there's I a understand. lot of stuff in there that was fine, but it's just, you know, and oh, I, I, and again, there's a lot it, of it all depends on what you're like looking you guys. for. There's a lot of people that don't like the movie. Uh, I I thought it was fine. I find I find it valid for other reasons than uh, I'm not a I'm not a Suspiria lover. It's not even my favorite Argento film. Uh, yeah, neither but, am I. So, I. so it's not sacred to me. Some people it is sacred, and I understand that too because it is a beautiful film. And there's you know it was shot in Cinemascope. It was one of the last films shot in Cinemascope, and it's just gorgeous. Because of that, you know. Um, and this movie is almost exactly opposite of it. Um, and you guys deep dive on that too. Like the color palette on the mood, the whole thing piece is very different, but it's, uh, I, it's a good listen. So listen to that. And then you said, what was your next episode is going to be no country for old men. So it's one of your Patreon subscribers, right? Right. And when in between there, we did, um, pet cemetery. 
Oh, yeah. Which I is another one, one yet. nobody was all that fond of. I haven't listened to it because I haven't seen the movie yet, so I'm holding off. So the the, the 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 universal review for that for all four of us was that it wasn't a bad movie, but it was a terrible adaptation. Okay, we'll we'll get back to that soon. So listen to his show. Thank you, Mike, for being on the show. Aaron Marie, where can they find you on the interwebs if they want to contact you and write you fan mail? <laughs> Uh, well, on Facebook, Erin Marie Showalter. I'm also on Instagram as Colorful Me Erin Marie. <laughs> and you're also Labyrinth Queen on Twitter. So uh, that Labyrinth Queen. <laughs> yeah. So so look for Erin Marie and uh, and Erin Kogan. Where if they wanted to contact you and root you on or follow your adventures uh, in conventioneering, where can they find you? Oh yeah, um, Aaron Sama thirteen thirteen, uh, Aaron S A M A thirteen thirteen, on the Tweety tweets and the Book of Face. Ah, excellent! And you can always find everybody on the Archivist Fist on Sexy Witches Facebook page, or you can find us on Twitter at the Sexy Witches. I am Cave Pearl E K G on Twitter, and you can use my personal profile. But do know that I also post about history and science and whatever else I feel like posting besides horror, science fiction, and fantasy. But we also have groups. Go to the Archivist Bits on Sexy Witches plays, and you'll see links to the Film Geek Circle group, which is a film geek group, uh, Rogues of the Hashi Station, which is science fiction, science and fantasy group, and then the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness, which is currently doing the Women in Horror poll right now. Please contribute. It'll wait, remain live until the 5th of May. Because that weekend, starting the 3rd, I will be doing Crypticon Seattle. And when I come back, we will be doing a recap of that episode. But that will also be the episode of the Halloween movie Marathon Madness, uh, where I announce the theme. So that's a big episode, everybody. And I've been dropping theme hints on the Madness page, sometimes on Archivist Bits on Sexy Witches, and sometimes on my own page about how, what's, who is, and what is going to be the theme this year. Uh, and I will also say I've been in contact with somebody on the wild card list this year. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I might tell you guys off air, but I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to ask them to come on the show. It's a cult director and I'm kind of excited if that happens. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll drop the movie and you guys can look at it off air guys but anyway thank everyone for coming on the show and if you were listening even if you didn't call in we love you thank you it's been five years we're still doing it I will be at San Diego Comic Con also in July and Awesome Con in a week so I'll be all sorts of conventions and I'll have lots of recaps and uh, whatever I'm trying to think what I don't know what our next actual episode is I think it is the 30th of May so in two weeks yes on the 30th of May 9 p.m. We'll be doing a preview of Crypticon Seattle. I'll be doing a recap of Awesome Con, and we'll also talk about briefly about Game of Thrones and whatever hell else we want to talk about. Thank mm-hmm. you, everybody. Much love and madness. Thank you, and thank you uh, Mike. And we're going to leave you with a, some music tonight. It's going to be, a, uh, of course, Game of Thrones related, because why would it not be? So good night, everyone. Enjoy. Blessed be.
for love And it's cool with the phrase Yeah, we're heading to a wedding Gonna party today And I'm gonna be a dad God, everything's great Winter is coming So we'll hang out inside This winter's open down, Rob Look on the bright side Let me hear my thoughts Are we doing all right? Bob is dead, we're homeless And I'm crippled for life I'm hungry of a problem at the wall. It's... It's a bit nippy, and... That's fucking white walkers! Shit's crazy, I'm freezing to death, but thieves and rapists, that is where I'm sex. If I can take it back, and take the black, shove it up, crap, that's it's too late for that. But now I'll be searching south. I'm out. I'm gonna die virgin now. For one day, there's a wild woman, took me into a cave, got a dress. So, Brett? Yeah, we had It's the Targaryen girl. Sound the alarm. She's come to take back the Seven Kingdoms. Well, it's more like Six Kingdoms now. Hide me with the children. You know, I'm with the I'm Pompey. You're taking the other stick. Shut up, Tom. What up? I got dragons, bitch. I started out with nothing but a shitty older brother in a pantos penthouse. I got pimped out to a Dothraki warlord lord with a horde full of slaves taking thugs. Fucking like dogs in public. Queen of the savages got three dragon eggs, ate a horse heart, took us down, didn't throw up. Got knocked up, but I mistakenly traded in the fate of the baby and put my hubby in a coma. Smothered his ass, built a funeral pile. Took the blood magic witch for the bitch alive. Climbed inside and fried eggs a while. From the ash came a naked ass and three reptiles. Touching my kids, better ask me. I'm the mother of dragons, yeah, free. Yeah, that's free. You better come at me with more than a manticore if you want to blast me. Cause I'm putting three dragons in a big ass buggy But I tell the youth suffers that I'm coming 